I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi guys, I'm Fiona and I'm from London. You're listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything. My question is, if we could choose an alternative color for the sky, what do you think would work best? Okay guys, here comes the show. And remember, question everything. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dame Baptiste Questions Everything, a podcast for myself, comedian, writer, and occasional actor Dame Baptiste, my producer friend Howard Cohen, aka the Hizzer. Hello. And a mix of very special guests pose the questions that need to be asked. And we're talking everything from. Well, we're talking everything from Fiona from London's question What would be a good alternative colour for the sky? Uh, Dane? <laughs> It's an interesting question. I think it's, it, I can tell you something. It's not, which is which is, you know, dark black, grey misery. Like if every day was like it is fucking most days in this country, that wouldn't be my choice. I know, but there's um, probably some there's probably some planets that that's the weather all the time. Well, that's good weather to them. I don't know. Um, I'd say I don't know, man. I think blue's a pretty good colour because it doesn't occur that much in nature anyway. I I, I, I spent a bit of time thinking about it because obviously I get we get these. Yeah. Oh, I think green could work because I think green. I was gives thinking quite green, lot, yeah. Green gives you quite a lot of layers, so we, we, we've gone for green. If that's okay with yeah, you, yeah, I'd say we both know, got a green. Fiona. I might, I might go for like some kind of teal, uh, you know, just yeah, to go nice, in some nice. from Howard. But yeah, we're keeping it on that side, aquamarine. Fiona, suffice to say, on this podcast, we ask and answer all the questions, don't we, Dane? Absolutely, Howard, because no question is too big, too small, too smart, or too dumb. And if you do enjoy the show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify, and you'll never miss an episode. Or subscribe to us on Acast, the world's largest podcast network, where you can hear all of the very special questions being answered by our very special guests. With that being said, on today's show is a British content creator. Prior to the events of 2020, Danny worked in the media and entertainment industry creating events and exhibitions for bands including the Rolling Stones. Since the pandemic, he has remoulded himself for the online world in an attempt to tackle modern day issues and help people better understand the complicated landscape of politics, human behaviour and injustice. He now produces weekly political and satirical content on social media to his ever-expanding audience and fighting the good fight. Please welcome to the podcast, Mr. Danny Press. Hey everyone. Welcome. Welcome to the show. What what colour do you want the sky if you could choose it, Danny? Any 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 choices? Or? Maybe lilac, man. Lilac's pretty cool. Uh, that's a funky fucker. That's like a it. funky guy. Yeah. I, was, I, was thinking, I was thinking maybe the sky in Minneapolis has to be purple. Maybe in different places, the sky should be different colours, depending on where you are. That'd like once you get to like Mississippi, it just turns brown. That'd be nice and poetic as well, because then every day would be black and brown. And those people won't be able to handle it. So that could work as well. <laughs> that's good. That's good. A pink, sky, a pink sky could work as well. I could do a pink sky. I, I think yeah, my first choice would have been a pink one, but I thought purple's a bit cooler, you know? Yeah, Vanilla? Like cool. the film? Or like, it can go to a purple. Vanilla? Oh, yeah. Could, is that? Yeah, that could work as well. I yeah. think if you have a vanilla sky, then you could have a very big distinction between different like weather systems. So you'd know, like mm. maybe if the weather worked the same way that like, you know, a litmus test works. 
So yeah. when the weather's really good, it's like if it's hot, you know it's hot because the sky's red. And when it's cold, the sky's like a darker shade of blue. So you could just look out your window for sure and be like, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> you could just tell. And I think that would work perfectly for everyone. Yeah, it's a good point. How's things with you, Danny? Are you well? I'm very well, thank you. I'm pretty tired, but you know, I've got this thing where I just get up really, really early. I've no, I've just, read you. I've seen you written about. Yeah, you've said stuff about that. Before, yeah, like I, I like to get. I like get up at like five o'clock and like just decide to punish myself by going jogging, going for walks, and doing like you know, stupid stuff. You know. Yeah, I mean that sounds insane to get up at five o'clock. <laughs> oh yeah, like I just started yoga, and that's I hate every minute of it. From the minute it starts, <laughs> I want it to stop. So mm. I, I I get up at five and I go to Clapham Clapham Junction, which is like an hour away from me, just to do do an hour of a big stretch in it. Really, let's be honest. Yeah, I get it. But that being said, when you when you're up that early, is it a lot more quiet and tranquil? Because I feel like that's a big part of that puts me off from going to the gym. Is that yeah? I'm not that sociable when it comes to exercise and stuff, and I always look for an excuse not to go to a gym. And normally, it's other people will say something. I'm like, I can't believe someone said that. I'm going home. Like, oh mate, yeah, it's great to it's great to go like get to get up really early and just go outside and just you know because I'm as like you I'm not very I just don't like people you see my videos I don't like yeah, anyone yeah so like you know um, <laughs> just go out and just do my thing and then I can stay stay at home like from from midday I'm at home and I just don't leave the house. That's cool yeah. man. I mean they say they say if you exercise early on before like you know you know you start everything else it's like the same as going to the gym and getting it all out of the way and. I like the idea to be getting out the way before like the commuters start making their way to work and stuff to get it done. Let me tell you something. It sounds good. When it's not your choice and it's the choice of a small man who lives next door, it ain't as fucking good. <laughs> tell you that much. He I bet it was good when you was making him though, Howard. That's what it's about, Howard. Responsibility. I bet when you were making that baby, you was having all the fun, weren't you? <laughs> so- I just want him... Do you know what I want him to do, Dane? I just want him to pick up a book and just... Just stay, just leave me alone for an hour or two. Just stay in bed for an hour or two. You know, you'll be fine. You don't need to say that. You'll say that, Howard. Then time will come around and you'll be like, hey there, buddy. You want to talk to your dad? You'll be like, I'm reading. Get out of my room. And then you'll be like, sunrise. sunrise." Oh, are we talking about a child? (laughs) Yes, yes. yes. I thought he had a little neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? Is it next door to Peter Dinklage or what? What's going on? (laughs) No, he's a little man that I invented with my wife. I never talk about him, as listeners know. And um, yeah, he just kind of consumes your existence, doesn't it? And And he just makes loads of noise in the morning so you're like I really of... thought you was on a battle <laughs> yeah. like gets up early and just exercising isn't like just does your yeah. head yeah, so, like um, mad trance really early in the yeah, morning man. just getting um, crazy no. but it's, so, just, yeah. it's, it's fun Howard's paternal journey is uh, punctuated by my childless journey where I'm like everything's fine so Howard's become a lot more conservative when it comes to children whereas I'm quite liberal <laughs> right. so he's like this kid won't leave me alone. And I'm like, but you'll miss having that. Op- you miss having that, Howard. And he's like, oh, I made him with my wife. I'm like, he's your only evidence that you were ever on this her- earth, Howard. That's how much he, that's how important he is. Yeah. And you don't have a kid, then, no? You yeah, don't. Yeah, nah, I get whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes I'll be walking around my house naked. So, you know, roll, rolling that up, smoking it up, you know, yeah, all taking care of myself. Stop. We'll do a swap one day, but um, that, <laughs> yeah. that won't last very long, I imagine. <laughs> You'd be surprised. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it's probably time for a question, isn't it, Dane, as the format of this show dictates? Absolutely. Uh, Danny, as our very esteemed guest, we invite you to ask our first question, which can be any question you'd like, which we'd like to discuss for like 15 minutes of some change. And Howard would like to pose a question to you, which we'll discuss for the same amount of time. And then finally, I'd like to ask you a question, which we can discuss for 15 minutes or so. 
And then uh, we'd like to uh, leave you the space to tell our good listeners where we can find out more about your good works and hear more about your stuff. Uh, how does that sound? That sounds great. That sounds great. I have a question. It's fine. Do I just go? Do I just, just ask? Yeah, the floor is yours. Bring it on, man. Right, cool, Bring cool. it on. Like, for obviously, it's for both of you because <laughs> that's what we're doing here. Um, so with the state of you know, the current situation that we are all very aware of in this country, and maybe the world, actually. How do you feel about, you know, the the entertainment world being predominantly left? And I don't like to use the term left or right because mm-hmm. I apply common sense to everything and right and wrong. Mm-hmm. But the entertainment world being dominated by the left, the creatives of the left. However, hardly any of them, a very, very small percentage of them, um, you know, actually do anything to change the status quo. What what inspired this question, Danny? It's a really good question, mate. Well, I'm I was born into the entertainment industry. Um, I work in the entertainment industry. Like um, some of these people that are not doing anything, I know them, and it's like we have these conversations, and I'm just like, you know, you should do more. We should do more. Um, you know, so I think it's something that needs to be touched on because at, at this point they are like the only people that have the reach. Like mm. I did a video last year or it was this year. And I like, I got like 10 of the biggest creatives in the country and I tallied up all of their social media followings. And it was, it was millions. Like it was millions in like the this country alone in the UK alone. And I, they have the power to change it. Well, and, and, and it was a fascinating example of what you're talking about. Do you see the Met Gala thing the other day uh, yes, in America? And Alexander Ocasio-Cortez uh, Cortez said tax the rich on the back of her designer dress, at a banquet and event that cost millions and millions and millions and millions of pounds. That if you're the liberal person making a liberal stance, some might suggest you might not want to do it at that place, but maybe that's not correct, Dane. What do you think? I, that, was a, that was a quite a good, interesting example of what yeah. Danny's chatting about. No, I mean, I mean, there's there's frequent examples, but I uh, I think it's a really good question, and I have a theory. Um, this theory, I will say, uh, is based on a YouTube video I saw, um, but I'd gotten a hold of a video which was described as a North Korean propaganda film, but it basically referred to the fact that there used to be a uh, synergy between being a artist and a liberal, or you know, a person who is involved in expression and also having that sense of activism. Because, you know, I guess part of your complex as an artist is that you are somebody who is tapping into more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, is like more metaphysical resources to create something. Um, hmm. If you're creating something that's emotionally provocative or it's supposed to evoke emotional reactions, then you're in touch with like, you know, other people. And so it was a given, like, let's say somewhere around the time of like the late 60s and 70s, that activism was a natural part of the art, the, art, the world of arts and entertainment. What I they say happened in the eighties is that as you know, entertainment and artistic expression became a lot more commercially viable with you know the advent of television and video and films growing in size as as, as industries in the eighties, then they were able to kind of hijack these narratives and begin to manipulate uh, activism. So rebellions themselves became commodified. So. And then, so what you, an example of that being the fact that someone like Che Guevara was, you know, vehemently opposed to the idea of capitalism and consumerism. Hmm. But a lot of people probably remember Che Guevara most recently for being appearing on a bunch of T-shirts that were real big in like the early noughties when Jay-Z wore one for his un- unplugged oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, that's right. So they became quite big. And so 
what I think that's part of the thing that's happened is that the powers that be, where before they were able to, uh, they would try to suppress artistic expression uh, through censorship and through ideas of conservatism and like, you know, is it the, like the Mary Whitehouse experience and that kind of thing mm. or McCarthyism is that now they've been able to co-opt art and unfortunately, and this might be down to a number of economic reasons for, especially in the, ad, in the advent of like the digital world, artists, because they, it's harder for them to realise a revenue stream just from the creation and the distribution or sale of their product are a lot more dependent on corporations. And by them having the power in their hands and having unregulated power in their hands, they've been able to turn capitalism in vogue. And basically mm. they've been able to make activism a product. And when something becomes commodified as a product, then it means that, you know, the once you can commodify and there's a price on it, then the value of it will be dependent upon the money that's spent on it. So, for example, when Pepsi did this very recent campaign with Kendall Jenner, and they were like, we could end all the isms and racisms in the space of a minute and a half advert. And even the fact that now corporations, through the use of like digital means and algorithms, are now able to manipulate they can even manipulate outrage and they can manipulate social activism and well, and it's, they need it's, to. it's happened with the premier the premiership footballer. Football yeah. football, right? The a premiership example is 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 has been turned into something. Yeah. So they're like, oh we, we the footballers have given us a thing we can latch on to. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and what and what's happened is that there has been this and that commodification of activism means that now some people realise they can actually make money from, I guess, embodying what's now referred to as being woke. And so that's why yeah. a lot of people don't do anything is because more simply put, like if you're an artist and you've been broken, you're in the grind and you're struggle for years, unfortunately, it probably becomes a lot easier to to buy you. And right. I think but activism, I think, I think there's sorry, an I'll, element of it, no, but I think there's an element of it. I'll be interested to see what Danny thinks, where if you if you if you took, let's say, you know, 20 of the big influences that you could think could make a difference to some of the world's problems, right, Danny? Let's let's yeah. let me put them all in a room. They're in your they're in your room next door. What's next door? Your kitchen. I'm just, let's pretend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all in your kitchen, right? So, like, if you could, the pro, I think the problem would be, could you actually get them to agree on what they supported? And 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 I think an interesting example of when it was something that did work was the civil rights movement in the sixties, where there were it's a couple of different examples where you'd see very famous generally white people, because it was predominantly more famous white people at the time, yeah. getting together to go, no, 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 this is fucking nuts, man. Like, we completely support equality, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, and it was a very easy one for them all to unify over. Whereas I, my point would be that, Danny, I don't know what you think. It's difficult for these people to unify on stuff. I mean, like, that's why I say that's, that I don't like to refer to it as as left and right. I like to mm-hmm. refer to it as good and bad and right and wrong. And, like, for example, like, we all... I think we could all agree, and I think that they would all agree that, you know, everybody should have the right to live comfortably, you know, or free healthcare and, you know, not have to like struggle and not just exist, you know. Um, mm. I think that that's something that, that everybody, because everybody wants to do more than just exist. So I think that like, you know, that's something that they would all agree on. Yeah that's, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Back to your point, further to your point, then, Danny, is that like art is supposed to be like, you know, because what you're referring to is sentience and consciousness and the idea of someone wanting to thrive as well as, 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 well as just exist. Yeah. And that's a big part of artistic expressions. So, so for me, when, before I became a comedian, I worked in an office. I liked making people laugh and having a laugh and that, but comedy didn't really seem like a viable career to me because I just didn't know you, how to go back in this country. But then at the same time, I guess one of the, the existential reasons I ended up doing it was because... Part of me was like, 
when it comes to art or just expression in general as human beings, this is the only thing we have to really chronicle our humanity by. Right. In that you can buy a dope Rolex. As soon as you die, it's going to be a Rolex that can be sold on or pawned or whatever. And it really has no reflection of who you are as a person. Whereas if you sang a song, even if you're a one-hit wonder, there is now evidence of you taking your consciousness and making it something tangible that we could all continue to digest when you're no longer here. So yeah. even if you look at like a rapper like Tupac has been dead since 1996, but his influence continues to this day and equally as strong because he was able to take his consciousness and his emotional disposition or his complex and make that into something tangible for people to consume and understand who that person was. And so that's how important art is. I think because people, there are powers that be that are aware of that, to be honest, and maybe I'm speaking as an artist, is that I think they are more than aware that if people continue to observe or follow that trend of, you know, self-actualization and realize and making your consciousness or expressing yourself in ways that don't require any uh, material things, they use, they lose their power base. Yeah. So it, it, for them, it's if they can subvert uh, activism and, you know, positive ideology like feminism and stuff, if you can take an idea like feminism and instead of, you know, men and women and trans women and trans men have an open dialogue about our ideas about gender and equality and continue to have an open dialogue where we continue to have a reciprocal relationship with each other, you can get people to buy pink hats. Yeah, of it's course. It's much easier to buy a pink hat. Yeah. In the same way that if we, instead of looking at uh, the horrors of war and realising that it's the true predator of humanity and the fact that the after effects continue for generations to come and it's probably the most destructive phenomenon that humanity has ever created then you could probably put people off war. But war's profitable, so if you just make people buy poppies, yeah, it's, 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 much, <laughs> easy, it's yeah. much easier for you to commodify the activism. So in the case of people nowadays, like it's an interesting thing where, you know, influence is still a relatively new term. And I guess because of that, the term itself has been pedestalized to have importance. But what the question that's not been asked is what an influencer influences. Yeah, that's right. Because um, it's, it's it's a fascinating time for celebrity culture because it, it it changed so much in our you know in our lifetime. It, it basically it changed so much. It was as significant as crack from cocaine. In that, celebrity used to be a byproduct of you reaching a level of notoriety because of your talent, or you know the more people you know, so that's how you become famous. Because that guy's good, mm-hmm. good long, rock star. long gone, long, long gone. gone. So yeah. now <laughs> yeah. you've been able to you've been able to distill just the profile of being a celebrity and people knowing who you are away from having a discernible talent. The thing about when you have a talent is that normally your journey for you to realize your talent and hone it requires, you know, joy, pain, loss, crest, trough in life for you to get a more rounded idea of what your art is and who you are and how you would, and by the same token, how you express who you are. Whereas if, but and what comes with that is that you, as most artists, will have a standard for yourself. So yeah. you're like, I require this environment for me to express myself the way I express myself. I need this to be this way for me to perform the art I want to perform to attract my fans. Whereas if someone is just famous for being famous, you can take away that, that you can take that away from them, and then they become nobody. But I think I think the so big much easier for you to manipulate that and be like, you sell these clothes, you don't talk on this issue, you don't say yeah. anything about this, and you can still be oh, famous. You mean like management? Basically. Well, yeah, just the power to be because the more the more dependent yeah. somebody is upon realizing their status from mm-hmm. that said power, and the more more leverage one party has, then that party will call the shots. So, like for example, if you take somebody like um you take so if you take an independent uh, independent artist, someone like I don't know, Dua Lipa. <laughs> is she independent? No, she's joking. So someone like Dua Lipa, 
like to be honest, that that there's more of a business model behind that where she just has to no show risks. Up. There'll be no, there's no risks. risks or like mm. a pixie lock where you know every aspect of that brand is taken care of to satisfy an algorithm or satisfy a demographic. Then really, you just have to show up to work. But what that means is that you're very interchangeable with anybody else. Whereas if you're mm. the only person that can do what you do, if you're Prince, I know you can play the guitar like Prince. You can call, you can name your price. Whereas people nowadays, because the barrier to entry to reach celebrity is much lower than it is. It means the way to leave that market is so much easier as well. So but that's why the key word you said there, Dana, the key word you said there was price, right? And, yeah. and that's, that's the difference is that art was once upon a time about the doing of the art, Danny. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, people definitely. believed in their shit that they did, whether they got paid or not. And if they got paid yeah. a bit on the way out, great. But you know mm-hmm. what? It became, we all became so incentivized by money. And I, I always think when... <laughs> Dane knows I bring Bob Dylan up in, in a lot of things, but Dylan, Dylan went Christian uh, in right. the 70s. He released two very, very, you know, properly religious... He, he was a Jew, obviously, but he, like, made, suddenly became did two Christian albums, and everyone fucking hated him for it. And, like, all the music press, and everyone gave him, like, one out of five. And the, right. music's not, the music's not that bad, actually, but it's okay. so interesting that from a political perspective, like, as in, like, is it political to suddenly become really Christian? Yeah, it actually is. And so people just completely dismissed him for years. And I think I look at that example and go, God, you think of how rare it would be for someone to make that massive, hey, by the way, I really, really believe in Jesus Christ. And then that's it. They've suddenly become, or, you know, I suddenly really, really believe in anti-immigration. Even if they did say, well, you know, it can, it someone, can, I mean, it can happen. Because, said that. Well, here's a perfect example. A guy that I idolized said that I need to tell the story where blacks came from glory and showed them what they need to do in the game in his first song. And fast forward 10 years and he was like, slavery was a choice. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. there was a point in time where selling out was the worst thing you could do in entertainment. Whereas now it's actively encouraged. You're not made until you're in a position whereby you are the face endorsing a particular product or you are the face in China. There was a time where the idea of you selling out or kowtowing to corporate interest was the worst thing you could do as an artist. Whereas now a culture has been created where the more your show business airs towards the side of business, the more respected you are. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. we all say, like, if you think about it, we all say billionaires need to go. This, this, this. Wealth inequality is terrible. But now that Beyonce and Jay-Z are millionaires, everyone, billionaires, everyone's called it. <laughs> very true. Very, very good point, yeah. I hope that is a good answer, Danny, to what yeah, it's a good answer. Is a, a brilliant, brilliant... One of, one really of the most answer. thought-provoking questions we've had for a while, eh, Dane? No, definitely. And I think um, it's something I think about a lot, as I'm sure you know, Howard. No, of course, man. Of course. Well, that's what this podcast is partly all about. Hmm. I've, I've got a question today that is uh, is 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 interesting because I was wondering what your question was going to be, Danny. I've been watching right. your video. But everyone should go and watch you, you, all your stuff on your Instagram. It's it's really I really enjoyed spending time on it. You know, thank you, man. Thank I'm gonna you. I'm I'm gonna make a comment on it that I hope won't be uh, considered offensive. If it does, I'm really sorry. Too much uh, swearing, isn't it? No, it's, <laughs> I was actually gonna say I was actually gonna say how much of it. Um, it feels full of anger. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm someone who grew up like plenty of anger in my soul. Uh, right. Rage Against, Rage Against the Machine was the band for me as a kid. You know what I mean? Like I was, I was all, <laughs> I've always, you know, I've always, always admired anger in, in art. Um, my question to you and, and to Dane and to anyone who wants to write in and talk to us is, do you think the anger you feel uh, improves your life? 
Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And that is oh, trying yeah. not to be judgmental. That is me not trying to be judgmental because it sounds no, like no, I'm no. giving you a loaded question. No, like I get you. it. I get it. Like, um... This is, that's, that is a, that is a great question. And it is something that, yeah, I do actually talk about this quite a lot. So, um, I am, I'm like 36 years old. I've been through, um, therapy and whatever, you know, grown up stuff. Um, but like loads of times, uh, a bunch of times in throughout my life, people have said that I am secretly happy when I'm angry. So I, I'm from Wolverhampton. I, I get really angry. Like when I get angry, my Wolverhampton accent comes in. It's just like, you know, and it's, it is quite funny. And like, yes, and loads of people said that I, I was, um, I just used to enjoy being angry. And I think like in a kind of, like in a secret way, like I think maybe I am because like it's me being passionate, you know? And mm. like, yeah, definitely. And like a therapist has told me like as well, like, do you feel like, you feel like you're yourself when you're angry and I'm like yeah like what are we gonna do I mean, so like are, are you are you violent I'm like no it's like well just carry on doing what you're doing then it's fine so like <laughs> no as long as nobody's getting hurt and I am expressing myself I absolutely do think that anger it's part of my character before I started doing these videos it was like it was just a thing where like you know I was just like the funny kid in school that would just like get angry and just do really stupid ridiculous things that like was harmless but really really funny and it was like 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 tongue-in-cheek sort of cartoon anger do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um it's like a a way of creativeness for me but when it's a fascinating thing that you said about being funny and the anger being hand-in-hand with being funny yeah, it's like when you, um, you know, there's, there's like that, that thing in the films where a guy's got to babysit a baby and the baby's like crying and then he hurts himself and then she laughs or whatever. It's like a thing, it's like that. It's like that in real life. Yeah, it's, 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 it's fascinating, right? Because, you know, comedy, the basis of comedy is so often based around someone getting angry at something. And I'd say, you know, in, 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 there's a big stream of black and Jewish comedians who would definitely in my opinion have a massive train of thought that comes from anger right dane oh no definitely and uh it's it's very it's very interesting when you know when danny says that like he would uh display anger but kind of in a somewhat facetious way like that's kind of how i discovered my funny bones as well like people wouldn't be like oh danny's just so funny and blah blah it'd more be like i'd be having a rant and get pissed off about something and i guess the level of embellishment i would do would make people laugh and, you know, there is a certain comfort in that because laughter, that's like a form of validation, especially if you're getting a pos- positive reinforcement when you get angry. If you get pissed off and you're met with a smile or people laughing, 
that in itself can lead to a dopamine release for you as well. Because it's almost like you're having this catharsis and you're like, ah, oh, this is pissing me off. Like, you know, an example, <laughs> like, traffic jams are pissing me off. Like, we're still here. Like, and you might say something to the person in front, like, I know you can't hear me, but you can't drive. And the person next to you starts laughing because they can see the absurdity of your actions. For me, that can sometimes be, um, yeah, that can kind of be therapeutic because it's having that explosive expression of something that frustrates you can sometimes, I think, be a lot healthier than internalizing it. Because the thing is, I think a lot of people, because human beings are a social species, a lot of the time when we experience the same phenomena, like when we see violence or we see traumatic scenes, that affects all of us negatively. How we choose to deal with it varies from person to person. Some people emulate that or replicate the behavior if they come from an abusive household or observed abuse because that allows them to reclaim control of the situation and therefore helps them to process that trauma. Some people tend to internalize it because they want to display um, alternate behavior to the behavior they've seen, but that can have a negative effect because if they continue to internalize it, it can manifest in other ways and have a physical effect on you. So for me, the anger thing, I think... The issue for me isn't necessarily anger. It's more about maybe anger requires the same amount of... Um, it requires... I think it should be given the same uh, credence that we give to like happiness. Like When we say someone's happy or they're in a good mood, there are a lot of synonyms that we have to describe if someone's happy or content or chuffed. Mm. Or, and maybe with anger, we just need to give the same reverence to the emotion. Because remember, it just exists as a part of the emotional complex to, because if you didn't have anger, you wouldn't be able to distinguish contentment. Mm. So you, you know people that, because people that are constantly in toxic environments, they're not even able to recognize a tranquil one because that's so normalized to them. So sometimes like having that anger is important because it means that you recognize like positive environments with the same level of vigilance. And just- but I think there's, I think there's gotta be a little bit of it now that comes down to your personal happiness and your personal anger. So like I might get fucked off that my knee hurts. And let's be honest, you might find some humor in that or someone might be interested, but no one's really going to care at the same yeah. level as when I say like, so like, you know, when I was going through Danny's stuff, I was like, cool. So like Afghanistan, Boris Johnson, you know, I could do that list of stuff. Now the, the, the people would question, and, I, and these people are wrong, by the way, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going to put this into, into the point that they're wrong first. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to point out they're wrong, but like, would say that you, Danny, getting angry about Boris Johnson is pointless because what does it what does it achieve? And and you and 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 that's obviously bollocks because mm. if you if everyone lived like that, then what would the world become? Uh, but but yeah. do you do you ever find yourself going, God, fuck me, I can't these people, I just can't I'm, I can't deal with. It's just I can't. Yeah, yeah, all the time, all the time. Like I, I think I've said it in a load of my videos that like, and I've said it to myself like. It feels like I'm shouting at a brick wall, which technically I am because that's how I film. My phone is just there <laughs> against the wall. But, you know, um, but yeah, yeah, I do feel like that. But like, then I get people just say like the way that I, because I'm like dyslexic and dyspraxic and I have lo like loads of issues with understanding information and getting information out. And the way that I see things is like the way that the, the, the politics and the modern society and the way things are presented to us um, we are made to think they're complex in a way, but realistically, I just like to apply common sense to it, and then and then that's how I make sense of it. And that's what other when I say what I say, other people are like, you know, I've never really thought about it like that. But it is just like it's so simple when you put it like that. It's like it's almost like we've been 
taught to to think that oh politics isn't for me because there's too much going Absolute. on it's too there you, go. you know and it's not like Nail that at head. all you know Nail on the head it's like it's so simple it's just common sense and that's how I deal with it and that's how you know when I when I do get angry and like but it's just putting things in that box and just being like this is how it is black and white like you know it's not it's not advanced for advanced people or, you know, mm. you can just understand this. It's really this simple. And so people message me and be like, yeah, we've never thought about it like that. Or thank you for putting it in the ways that I can understand. And that's that's what I get out of it. Yeah, no, I think it works. And you know what? The thing is as well is that we have to remember that uh, 90% of human communication is nonverbal anyway. So if mm. you think about also culturally in the UK, we are encouraged to maintain a deadpan expression or stiff upper lip when we're addressing each other and even when we're expressing ourselves. And so because of that, there's probably a, a large contribute to the reason as to why when people do ex- display passionate emotion, it's perceived as being quite explosive anger because British people are encouraged to have a stiff upper lip. Whereas if you look at countries like France or, you know, oh, man, a country yeah. like Colombia, to have intense emotional outbursts when you become disillusioned or disenfranchised by government is very, very natural. Like, even before Colombia was known for cartels and stuff like that, like, a large part of political unrest was referred to as la violencia, which is, like, just madness and violence and anarchy. Or, like, you know, France have had a revolution. And I think in this country, we've not really had that. And it's because we are told, like, Howard, think about it. How many times in the last decade did you see a sign telling you to keep calm and carry on? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well i see one in my house i think <laughs> my wife put it up now the uh, last time that slogan was seen was during the war mm. do you think it's a coincidence that that's been encouraged and now within that same decade of tory rule you've seen nhs being privatized i mean it's what i've said to you a few oh, times man. dane right yeah. i've said to you a few times we were taught at school that propaganda was something that the Nazis did. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't what we lived through every fucking year of our lives, which is clearly what is still going on. If, right? I mean, and if you were paying attention, you it may elicit some feelings of anger. But if you mm. think about like, you know, even when or George Orwell describes the state of the UK under English socialism and basically one party, which is indistinguishable from any other one, um, it was encouraged that pe- they encouraged what was called newspeak, where people would gradually be deprived of the language required for them to express anger, disillusionment, and political dissent. Because if you can't say it or you can't ask for your freedom, then you, or if you can't, you know, describe your freedom or articulate, you won't, you won't be able to ask for your freedom. And you think about we live in a world now where, you know, media now uses public opinion to reinforce their journalism. And we've been reduced to like emojis in order to express ourselves as human beings. Like we need anger, I think, because normally when it comes to like revolution or social upheaval or change, it's normally preceded by someone being like, this is some fucking bullshit. <laughs> so that's, and that's the thing sometimes is that like, <laughs> you know, you can always encourage uh, conformity if people are content. So, for example, one thing we've learned from the French Revolution is that if you leave people to get hungry enough, they'll go mental and they'll overthrow you. So nowadays, your most impoverished people are your most obese because people know that you don't go in the street and march when you're too overweight or toxins from the food you're consuming slows you down. <laughs> I tell you the one thing I'd add, no, Dane, before we before we wrap this bit up is is, is to say that harnessing anger for good for good purposes is a challenge, right, Danny? Like you yeah. you, you you know to you what I think you do is for a. It's, I would, wouldn't call it a good cause, like it's a charity, but you know what I mean? It's a good yeah. cause because like people who might take in what you do 
might think, and I think we feel, I feel this way about this podcast. You know, we're, we're trying to further conversation so that, and, and sometimes Dane, me, I mean, I definitely got really fucking wound up a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember what it was. But I remember shouting and getting told off by my wife who's upstairs. But like, you know what I mean? We, we, we are, we are. Can I, can I just say that that doesn't really represent the views of Dane Baptiste, Tara. I found, <laughs> I found, I found your tone to be most affable and with a It was just, I think I properly lost it about something. He's complaining about that little guy who lives next door. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we, but harnessing that anger, you know, we both, we all get to do that on this show. I think for the, for people who maybe don't, don't perform, perform in some kind of art form um, online or otherwise. Harnessing it is the challenge, right? What doing something with it? Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, um, like I'd never used to be into politics whatsoever, and funny enough, that's when I was in the worst mental state of of, of my entire life. Like I always thought, like you know, um, it's not for me. I always just say, like you know. Um, it's always down to who's the best liar in political parties, which is true to an extent, mostly, actually. But um, I, I just didn't want anything to do with it. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to know about it. Like the, the collapse of the banks, the financial collapse happened in like 2007. I was like, I don't care. You know, I'm not bothered. Um, and like I was like at the time, I think about it now, and at the time I was like, God, I was a dick back then. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like just my day-to-day life was just me being a dick about everything and, you know, not really understanding or, uh, any, anybody or putting myself, having any empathy or putting myself in somebody else. You know, I was just like a bit of a, a wrong one, really. And it's only since I started paying attention and speaking about it that I'm like, you know what, I'm actually quite, I'm quite like, I'm, you know, I am, I'm from Wolverhampton, you know, I'm from, I moved down to London to get away from, Mm. all of like the gang shit and all of the horrible shit that that happened up there you know and and now i'm just like there's not an ounce of, of violence in me do you know what i mean at all and people are like, i couldn't imagine you like up in wolverhampton with all of them wrong i'm like yeah it's pretty good isn't it but like i'm in the best <laughs> mental state ever here talking about things that i should absolutely be angry about that should drive me to be like mm. in- increasingly angry and you know act out like how i how i was and people around me was before you know Mm. It's fascinating, man. It genuinely is fascinating. It's been an amazing chance to talk about something that I think about all the time, Dane. We get angry on this show, right, Dane? You've got fucking of course. livid on this of show. Of course, and, it, and it's not like I have no control of it. It's a justifiable emotion in the same way that if I was explaining intense joy, like when you think about it, we even sometimes human beings, we are afraid of the, the, the true potential of our emotional expression because sometimes if someone's too happy, as human beings brought up in a capitalist society with like a zero sum game, it makes us start thinking, oh, why are they so fucking happy for? Like, who's going to be that happy? <laughs> because that's how we're conditioned. That's we're, it. That is it. That's we're conditioned it. To, to like, we're, we're conditioned to bridle ourselves with it emotionally for some reason, even though we don't know what can be revealed. And then, and, by, and because we do that, we become so entrenched in this emotional repression. Then we got to go fork out how much money an hour to a psychiatrist to teach us how to do this thing that we should know how to do in the first place. Because that's how we have been born. Do you know so when I'm it's, it's, uh, when I'm yeah. most angry? Uh, do you know I'm most angry in my life? I usually find a place where I can be completely on my own, and I shout the word "fuck" as loud and as long as possible. Uh, and after that, I feel a bit better. I was, I'm glad, and that's a good. And if that coping mechanism helps <laughs> yeah, you, but then yeah. but then you could ask yourself how if there were more junctures in your day to day where you wanted to say "fuck" and you didn't would it arrive at this boiling point where you have to have this massive catharsis? Because people say that I'm moaning, yeah, I'm angry, yeah, yeah. but really it's because I would rather focus on 
individual incidents where I feel that I'm unhappy and discuss the resolution and continue to internalize and get to that point where it's beyond reproach or it's I would tell un- you one thing then I, I would say that when I do that fuck it's often my fault uh, what I'm angry about right. <laughs> I mean like a lot of time uh, people are angry at themselves a lot of time as well because anger mm. as well a lot of time is a a over manifestation of sometimes more esoteric feelings that we can't really express so no. sometimes I might feel angry at guilt because they say for example if I hear about a tragedy that happened somewhere nearby me I might be angry because I reflect on my own obliviousness to the dangers that might be f- for a woman, for example, say a, a woman was killed where I live. I might be angry because I'm like, I may be responsible for the collective negligence that allowed for a young woman to be killed. Yeah. I might be angry because I feel guilty about the state of patriarchy, which allows women to die without any justice. I might just be angry because as a human being, I understand the concept of life and how that Im- important that is. So I am angry because that's my empathy manifesting for the, her family members and people that yeah. have lost somebody. No, so yeah, anger is not just, oh, negative emotion, toxicity, made uh, tangible it's just a manifestation of very different things like i'd say a perfect example being anger particularly within my community for a lot of men is the uh, is a defense mechanism because it's about feelings of inadequacy or feelings of fear so i create this veneer of anger and rage because then i'm protected yeah 100 it's a fight or flight response all said um it's time for the last question, but I, do you know what? I'm so glad I asked that question because I had a really boring other question that I was going to ask, and that was definitely uh, definitely better choice. <laughs> it was it was good to talk about it. But yes, Dane, it's over to you for the final question of today's show, mate. Well, basically, the questions have been so good, man, and they've been so well linked that I just want my last question to be a combination of two to just keep the ball rolling. So, um, Danny, you mentioned uh, before that you had made a list of and of analytics for, uh, you know, pro- pro- prolific influencers and how much their narrative had uh, referred to, like, you know, I guess yeah. activism or things that matter, right? Oh, you mean how much how much reach that they... Yeah, they or the, yes, oh, the yes, reach, and if they yeah, use yeah. that reach, if, so mm-hmm. I guess... It's, I imagine that it was kind of disheartening to find that people with all the reach they had don't really talk about stuff that could matter when they know they could probably make a difference. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so my question really is, like, myself as a comedian, my my job or my vocation is now transcended into, like, podcasting, and there are now elements of creation that are outside of comedy. The same as yourself, like, working yeah. at events and public speaking, and that's, that's blossomed into something else. Yeah. So, you know, we can describe all of ourselves as content creators, influencers, etc., and so before, I guess, with being a comedian or entertainer, you have a responsibility, which I imagine yeah. you have as well if you're a content creator. Yeah. I say that all to say this, like, because what makes you angry about the phenomenon of influencers, given that, you know, some of it can be used for good, some of it can be used <laughs> for bad. What makes you angry about influencing, being an influencer and influencers in general? Oh man, well I hate influencers. That's <laughs> so I have, I have, I have because like um, working in the events industry and running venues and whatever. Like I have, I know loads of. I've came across loads of them, and I know loads of influencers. I was at a, an event a couple of weeks ago, and a lot of influencers I know, I know, um, called me like the Deadpool of influencers because there's nothing. <laughs> I just call them out. I call them out all the time. Like it's like basically I'm I I come I come from I, I work I work hard so like. For me, what really gets me angry is the, um, you know, just people that want stuff for like, you know, let me come and eat for free at your restaurant. I've got like 20,000 followers or something like that. Or, or you know, stuff like that, like the sort of entitlements. Whereas me, like, um, 
I don't get sponsorships or whatever, whatever, but I do get loads of free stuff because I do work with brands as in like, you know, we would launch like a, a, a football boot at my venue or whatever, or I do a load of PR for, for um, a food company or whatever. And like, I work to, to, you know, get paid on and also get the benefits from that. Whereas like, you know, with influence, it's mainly a like, you know, I'm I'm really hot, so you know you can just give me a free fucking tank top or whatever. Yeah, and like, it's, like, it's I'm known, and you're and I'm allowing you to contribute to my yeah. Growth. But, that's yeah, so I mean, that, almost, it's like it's like a, it's like a, um, a Ponzi scheme kind of thing or a pyramid scheme, isn't it? It is, man. That's the, that's the main thing that winds me up about influences. That well, that and the combination of them not doing much, but but the, 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 that's that's a very very important thing you've said there because there's, there's probably levels to our hatred that we can go into in this in this question. The yeah. first level is, is superficiality, is what you're talking about. Mm. The superficiality of hey, look at this picture of my life. Do you know what? Pay me to be part of this yeah. life. It's like yeah. when did looking good it basically equate to a good person. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's That's, mad, isn't it? It's mad. I know when, sorry to interrupt, guys. I know when, <laughs> I know when it was Go in on. high school. That's when. <laughs> yeah, man. When you were in high school yeah, and you yeah. had the hormones and the inclinations of an adult, but you still had the mind of a child. That's when you discovered stupid ideas like in your adolescence, like conformity and groups to be a part of and um, self-identification, identification, identity politics. Because when you start to become an adult, you have to start thinking about your self-image and how do I contextualise my existence? What group am I a part of? What tribe but do I belong to? It's just completely... The idea that permeates but, our but, lives. But I, would, but, no, but I think about it. So then in school, you would have the popular girl in school or the popular guy in school. And when you think about it, there was no real merit as to why this person was given preferential treatment to everybody else other than they were good-looking or they looked like they were nice or whatever... And you really, and you know, we, at the time, if we're in school, most of us all have dependents. So our parents determined determine what kind of lives we had. But we didn't think about it as kids. Like, a girl's good looking. She goes home. You don't know if she's going home to squat or how she lives. And yeah. so I think with social media in particular and influences is that there's obviously a part of, particularly in the developed world, in the Western world, a part of us that hangs on to our youth because we live in a time where youth is commodified and we've regret, or... or it's because social media and human beings existing with, existing with artificial intelligence online is a teenager. That's what I mean. So mm. if you think about our interactions and chat rooms, from chat rooms up until yeah. now, where that's been about uh, 16 years, give or take. So our consciousness as we exist in social media is a teenager, which means we've regressed to this point whereby we are still looking for tribes that we belong to and we are still struggling with our self-image and we are still chasing somewhat unrealistic aspirations in terms of aesthetic, just like we did when we were kids, which is why you have people nowadays who are like, I want to have, like a kid would be like, I want to have the nicest trainers. But it's like, yeah, but you, mm. you, can't, afford, you can't afford to take care of yourself. But no one cares because you've got the nice trainers. No one cares if your stomach's empty and stuff like that. And it's the same way now you live in a world where it's like, before, like a girl might want the biggest boobs. But then you realise if your boobs are too big, your back is going to hurt after a while. <laughs> so... But now we've regressed yeah. back to that point whereby that same level of unwritten aspiration because we don't have the benefit of wisdom and experience to process what we see online, we're now going back to that point whereby we will chase these same aspirational aesthetics without thinking about the fact that it's not realistic. So, for example, we've got on the internet, influencers will show you they're getting free food, they're eating in uh, Michelin-style restaurants, they're having hawk cuisine, they can afford a Rolex. But statistically, out of every 10 person on the internet from this part of the world, 
none of those people will not be making over 100 grand a year. Oh, man. Yeah, I completely agree. But if you were to look at the internet, we're awash with wealth. Like, if mm. you look at social media, <laughs> yeah. you would forget that in 2008, money it died, bruv. It really died. <laughs> and I think it's not a coincidence t- that, that we started seeing the rise in the use of algorithms and social media and the celebration of influencers because it's like somebody wants to forget that we all went broke um, 12, 12 years ago. Yeah, it's, I guess it's kind of like a, an escapism, you know, for, for mm. people like looking in from, from, from the outside. Like, you know, it's like how we watch cooking shows. Half the yeah. time, we're never going to make the thing that they put on the fucking cooking show. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but you're um, part of it. You get to be, you get to be part yeah, of it. Yeah, yeah, you it's get almost to be like, part of it, yeah. Same way, same way we like to watch porn as well, because like mm. people want to live, be able, especially when you reach a certain age or you're at a certain age where you don't have the capabilities to do certain things, to be able to live vicariously through somebody else Mm. is a big part of the human complex in terms of like aspiration and want. And again, when you're doing that in the in a capitalist world, whereby we now... Cause, and think about it as well, Howard, like we're at a point now where if you... Like we tell kids as a matter of uh, principle, go to school, get an education, be a big, good person, don't break the law, and you can realise the apex of your professional aspirations. Yeah, I think Boris it's Johnson madness. Boris Prime Minister... And Donald Trump has been president. <laughs> if I was a fucking child in school now, and you said to me, work hard and stay in school and be a good person, I'd say, why the fuck should I do that when I can be a piece of shit and I can be the president of the United States? I can cheat on my wife with a porn star. I can cheat on my other wife. I can I can steal money from people at university. I can yeah. go on the fucking radio or you can record me saying, fuck a bitch, I'll grab her by the pussy. And I can still be the president. So why Mate, the that's fuck it. do I have to be a good person? No, I agree with that. I agree with that completely. Like years yeah, and years, no, black people have been told baby farmers mm. and blah blah blah. Barack Obama's good. He hasn't got no children outside of marriage. He's got his wife and blah blah blah. We don't even know how many baby mothers Boris Johnson has, and he's the prime minister. So if you are a child, where in archaically you've heard these binary ideas of good and evil and right and wrong and moral and amoral, that's all fine theoretically. But realistically, if you have enough money, you can do what the fuck you want, is what we have taught mm. an entire generation of children for the last 20 years. And how and do you get the money? How do you get the money? Look good. Yes. <laughs> there you go. And if you look good, yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. Look good. You can. And, if, and if you can, if you don't look good, you, well, you think you look good, steal it. you can steal it or steal you can it. buy it or Wait. you can fake it. As long as you do it, that's all that matters. And now we're in a point now as well where the quality of this phenomena is based is quantitative. What that means is, if I showed you something, Danny, that was shit, yeah, I'd be like, bro, mm. look at this, look how shit this is. These people are terrible. You'd be like, yeah, that's shit. But now you live in the world, if I show it to you and you watch it as well, that's two hits. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. Of and course. all that matters to advertisers are metrics, yeah. which means yeah. they can say, yeah, everyone says they hate Rebecca Black this Friday, but it's got a million views. Yeah. So they don't care if it's damaging an industry or cheapening an art form or predisposing her to a level of notoriety she won't be able to handle or be able to handle when it goes, then they don't give a shit because you mm. help them to sell an idea, I guess. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. For, so for it, me, it, in I, one way, that's what makes me angry about influencers to answer my own question is that I don't mind if you want to present a certain aesthetic of yourself because as an entertainer, we can always create, uh, you know, incarnations of ourselves which are more larger than life, right? Mm. But if you know, like, for example, if you're someone that's selling the idea of body positivity, there needs to be regulation in the same way. That if I watch a TV show 
and I see a wrestler jump off a turnbuckle, it says, don't try this at home because that's a trained professional. Yeah, man. If you're a yeah. recipient of cosmetic surgery, that is absolutely your choice. But don't go and fucking lie to children and say you're doing this because you're drinking fucking tea. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Wise, yeah, man. wise words. It, it, people it. do, but it's, well, it is interesting though that, that, that tying this all together to wrap up the show, the fact that the amount of anger... Just, you know, you talk about influencers, vloggers, as they were. I think that term vlogger is kind of dying a bit, Danny. Do you know what I mean? I think it's become... Yeah, I think it is, yeah. It's more part of the promotional matrix of your influencer, isn't it, to do... Exactly, and and, and, and I think think people get so angry at at, at, at that kind of, hey, guys, just, uh," (laughs) you know, like people people can get so angry. I I think it, it does say something about all of us and what... It means that everyone has a platform, and and and, yeah. and the fact that everyone has a platform means that if you don't feel if you don't feel like you're using yours, then actually it's quite easy just to go, well, fuck all these, <laughs> yeah. fuck all these people for who are using theirs. Well, how, and, and I'm not doesn't mean doesn't mean they're right. But, by the but way. that's that's almost a good point that Danny made before when he said that like once I started actually paying attention to the world around me, and I saw I became disillusioned. That's when I became angry, and mm. you know we could argue maybe there is a vested interest in people controlling what information people have and how people are influenced to stop them becoming uh, righteously angry and then, you know, asking for something to change. So when you said we all have a voice to Howard, it's a good point because I have a theory where I'm like, you can look at how human thought has regressed because it's been able to rely on technology a lot more. Yeah. Like you can just click a link or something or get a post and can't paste it where it means you're not beholden to do a certain amount of research because some idiot's going to put something on YouTube and the wealth of information, not knowledge, mind you, information, mm. yeah, means you can thrive within an echo chamber that feeds you, which really is true democracy. And what I'm trying to say is, Howard, yeah, is that within human civilization before, like, democracy ain't that new. Oh, it's not that old, sorry. It's not <laughs> yeah. that old, sorry. Oh, it's, oh, it's yeah. not that new either. But it's not that, it's not that old, right? Mm. But I genuinely believe that when you have a world of um, inequality, want, deception, yeah, when you create democracy within that world, or when you have, as I should say, when you have democracy within politics and you have those two ideas together, yeah, that's why we have aristocracy. Because at some point, there are some people who are less enlightened than others. There are some people that are less inclined to use their awareness and their access to information positively. And so at some point... Us as a very earlier civilization said, we can't let everybody have a voice. So you have to be someone who's representative of the general voice and we listen to them. And that is the birth of modern government as we understand it, the Senate, et cetera, et cetera. The Greco-Roman models are still the one we use today. Now, because we are now existing, our, con- our consciousness exists in a new state on social media or on, in the digital world. It's mm-hmm. a new way to live. Like how you chat to people on Instagram, stuff like that, from around the world you've never met. Like even the way we met Danny, Obviously, yes, I think the same way, but we didn't meet in a pub. It's a new way we meet. Mm. Yeah. Now, some people can rationalise that gift. Not everyone can handle that. So what I think is going to happen is you're going to see an aristocracy be born out of the democracy that is the internet. It's already happened now because that's why influencers have blue ticks. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But then what happens is then is that now we're going to see a new political spectrum existing on social media and it's going to remain to be seen how that's going to affect us and what anger and political dissidence and rebellion looks like in a digital world. What? Mm. What? 
Yeah, uh, man. Cliffhanger. <laughs> now, next week on Dame Baptiste Quiz and everything, a, a, a monarchist who comes on and explains how that could work. No, but what a, what a set of questions today, man. That's been I've, that's been like a, br- a brilliant episode. I thought it would be good, and it was even better, Danny. Thank you so much for coming on. No, the thank podcast. you for having me, man. Thank you. Um, for, having me. for those who have not heard of your great works before, where can we find out more about you, please? Um, well, basically, Facebook blocked me and YouTube blocked me, but you can get me on Instagram on Danny Fucking Price. <laughs> and I don't really use Twitter that much because I think Twitter is like for people that wouldn't talk to, wouldn't shout at people in the street. So I don't really go on there that much. But for now, it's just Instagram, Danny Fucking Price. And I'm sure other places very soon as well, because as the word spreads. We're definitely here right. on this podcast as well. And um, yeah. I think once people Always hear it, then I'm back. sure you'll be, you'll be exactly. And you'll be a guest on many others. So um, we'd be Thank happy you, to man. help get the Danny Price word out there. I you ain't paying attention, motherfuckers. Exactly, exactly that. <laughs> yeah, thank you very uh, much. Come on, Danny. Appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for having me. Thank thanks you, for having me. You've been listening to Dane Baptiste Questions Everything, hosted by Dane Baptiste. For more from Dane, go to danebaptiste.co.uk or follow him on Twitter at DaneBaptweets or Instagram at DaneSnaptiste. Our guest was Danny Price. You can follow Danny on Instagram at Danny fucking Price. The show is produced by me, Howard Cohen. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Howard Cohen. The show is mixed and mastered by Audio Culture. You can follow Audio Culture on Instagram at We Are Audio Culture. Please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at DBQE. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market e-podcast thanks to polly gelly and the acast team for all their support thanks for listening guys and remember question everything